Welcome to this series on the glorious church. It's all about who we should be and who we can be before the return of the Lord. We're taking part in a series called The Glorious Church, and uh, it ties in with, with the message and the direction and the focus that the Lord has given through prayer and through His Word. And it already began with just one word, uh, purified, which came last September. And uh, it was as a result, Lord, you need to give, uh, as one overseeing the flock, what direction and what we need to be heading into for next year. And uh, the Lord has uh, given us this, this word of being refined, purified, and holy. The glorious church, a glorious church, the glorious church, declaring Jesus for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is our strength when he rejoices over us. And um, I'll tell you right now, this thing of being refined and purified, made holy, I know we are only made holy. In fact, uh, it is only by his sacrifice for us, his blood shed for us, and his righteousness imputed, placed on us, that we are right before God and we are holy before him. However, even as the Lord would see us as righteous before him, there are things in our lives that we need to, to allow for there to be sanctification taking place in this process of us being changed. The old man, the old garments being taken off, a renewing of the spirit of our mind, and then the putting on of the garment of righteousness that the Lord has for us, that it would be who we are in our daily life. And so there's this, this thing of sanctification that begins in us, and we can either restrain that, that sanctification from taking place, we can try to attempt to do things of change, uh, of, of hey, letting go of those sins that so easily beset us on our own, or we say, hey, I, I, I can do this on my own, and in the process, we grieve the Spirit, and we, we limit the, the work of the Lord in our life, and we also find ourselves growing quite weary in the task of attempting to be sanctified in our own strength rather than the Lord sanctifying us. He is our sanctification, the one that is able to change us. And sanctification begins the moment that we consecrate our, our lives to the Lord. As we give ourselves, Lord, I give myself willing, willingly to you. You have permission. I am giving you permission in my life to do the work that you have to do on me. And I, I'm... Just here I am, that living sacrifice. It's the least that we can do. The least that we can do. And so the, the process of refining and purifying to be made holy as he is holy begins. And it happens then very quickly. It can happen very quickly as we are totally surrendered and yielded to him. If we want to hang on to things or we want to do things in our own strength you find yourself going around in circles. 
And it's like, oh my goodness, how long have I been in this place? Months? Years? Decades? That we would not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, Pastor, have you ever arrived? <laughs> Absolutely not. May I just say this? There, has, there is a placing into the fire. I'm gonna, we're going to just read part of that at the beginning of Malachi chapter 3. If you want to go there, we're going to be looking at a, other verses as well. But Malachi chapter 3 speaks of the refiner's fire. Here's what we often do, or we could, we can do. When the Lord in that, that vessel that goes into the fire holding the silver or the gold, in this case, especially the silver, because it's hard. Gold is much easier to refine than silver, by far. Silver, it is difficult to refine. And so even as we are placed into the fire for refinement to take place, for the sake of purifying, to get rid of the stuff that's in our life that doesn't belong, what happens or what we may do is jump out of that vessel and try to run. That we would be that living sacrifice. Lord, go ahead. You have complete control of the temperatures. Of the temperature not too hot. Just the right temperature. And the right length of time for refining. The whole point is to, get, to, to separate the things that, in, that don't belong in our lives. That it comes out. And it's happening with me as well. As, as an individual, I'm not even talking as a pastor. I'm talking as someone just like you, a child of God, that there would be refining taking place in me. And as a pastor, that there would be a refining of me. And it's just a willingness of just saying, Lord, here I surrender myself to you so the refinement can take place. And it may be, and, I, and this is what I'm realizing this year, I'll tell you, has been quite interesting already. We're only into February, and there has been this thing of refining taking place in my life. Today, message part five, and if you've missed any of them, just go to lighthouseniagara.com and check out the, uh, the YouTube or the website and uh, catch the ones that you've missed. They're all relating. And start at the first one and go right down to part five here today. I've had people tell me, Pastor, why don't you preach on, on tithing? Why don't you preach on money? I, I can't remember the last time I preached on tithing. Money. In fact, you have not seen us take up a single offering here. It'll be almost four years in next month. Not a single time or... If it was, it was very rare that we've passed the plate around. And yet, and yet, 
you have been faithful so many. And once again, I don't know who is tithing or not. That is, that is not my business. Because I want you to know today, this is worship before the Lord. And I cannot force, and neither does God force you to worship him. It says every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is a thing of worship between you and the Lord with everything you have. That even with my finances, I will worship the Lord with my finances. I'm going to worship the Lord with my finances, with my tithing. That's your business. It is your business. How much you trust the Lord, how much you would give to Him. Have you noticed anything about going to a restaurant and the gratuities used to be, well, hey, 10%. I've gone to some places. I've gone to some places and they're already, they're saying not 10%. The low mark is 15. The option is 15. Then it goes to sometimes to 18% and then sometimes 20%. Right? And we say, what? Seriously? <laughs> now, mind you, I'll say this. If there's somebody serving you and, and they're just a very happy individual and the food is good, the ambiance is good, hey, you're in there for a short period of time, you know what? Hey, I want to I just, I want to bless. I want to say thank you. I want to bless this, this individual or the rest of the, the crew that are not maybe working for much. I'm going to bless them. And so we give a gratuity. And, and so we bless. Now listen, I am not talking about a waiter or waitress. I'm not talking about eating food or whatever. I am talking today. We're talking about, Lord, everything that I have, Every single thing that I have, and it's not, maybe not even just financial, but it is everything of my existence is because of you as a child of God who has been forgiven every sin and everything of the past, present, and future has been forgiven. If my faith is in you, thank you, Jesus, for that. And that which we have ahead of us is beyond our imagination. For eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man that which God has prepared for those that love him. Lord, can I not say thank you to you in, in, in what you have given to me? You're not asking for everything. When it comes to our finances, just read a, a few verses here. Hebrews 13, verse 5, one translation says, let your conduct be without the love of money. Or in, other, in this, this New King James Version is covetousness. When we covet something, is we're, we love or we want that because we love it. We love it. I need to have it. Let your conduct, who you are, be without covetousness. Or the love of money, that's the title today, the glorious church, love of money, question mark. There's a question mark there. 
Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll tell you right now, I would much rather have the Lord with me than to, to be the richest man on this planet. I would much rather the Lord, you, you really know where, where you are at when you're facing death, your billions of dollars that you may have accumulated and acquired means nothing when you're facing death or when you're facing an eternity. I do not want to be in a place apart from God. Lord, I want to say thank you. You said you'd never leave, leave me nor forsake me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness to be content. Oh, man. Uh, if you're not content, what a, it's a frustrating way, way to live. Oh, man, I'm not content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Lord, I have clothing, I have food. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of the money, for love of money, the love of money, not money. It's not money. In fact, the Lord, everything you have is the Lord's. And he's saying, I want you to be a good steward. I want you to be, I want you to take care of what I've entrusted you with. And this is something that the Lord would have us do. Everything we have, our job, the health to do the job is from the Lord, whether you're a believer or not. For the unbeliever, I'll tell you, for the, the Bill Gates and the, the Elon Musks and, and all those, the, the wealthy, you have what you have because God has allowed for it. And don't you be so arrogant to say it's because of what I've done. Because from one moment to the next, who knows, you can have a heart attack or a stroke or whatever, or your mind goes or whatever. And where are you then? With the Lord. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Wow. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Timothy, or Paul is talking to the pastor and he's saying, you need to mention this to the church. If your heart is seeking the things of material wealth and, and, and riches and whatever, there is a possibility of even straying from the faith because of greediness. And you get pierced through with many sorrows. Huh. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Money. I'm serving money. Everything about my life is about money. So I'm chasing after these things. The Lord is saying you can only serve one or the other. You cannot serve both. So you might say, well, what do I do with my money then? Should I, should I invest? Should I be a good steward of my finances? Absolutely. You 
are the manager, not the money. You are controlling the money, not the money controlling you. Mark 12, then they sent him, some of the Pharisees and the Herodians, to catch him in his words. When they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one. Wow, really? <laughs> you don't care about no one. For you did, do not regard the person of man, but teach the way of God in truth. Now, in that regard, yes, you're going to speak what God is speaking. And so we're recognizing that. So, Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This wicked, godless man, the Caesar, the Romans collecting their heavy, heavy taxes. Shall we pay or shall we not? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. So they brought it, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and render to God what belongs to God. We've been going through Malachi, and uh, I want to read to you this chapter or part of this chapter, Malachi chapter 3, and it's interesting. So I have to, I, I want to reiterate at this point in time. However you take this message will be between you and God, all right? And so some of you may say, I, I, don't, I don't quite agree with that. But in the end, you need to give to the Lord what belongs to the Lord. You need to give to him what belongs to him, all right? So let's, let's look at this passage and I, I'm not going to spend as much time on this passage as, as I'm going to spend on where the tithe originated. And we say, what's tithe? Tithe is one-tenth. One-tenth. A tenth. Where did this actually originate? Okay? So I'm, I'm going to read through this. And um, I, so f starting from verse 1. It says, Behold, I send my messenger. And let me just preface this by saying, the promise, the promise of the Lord is there even before the tithe. The promise is before the tithe. And you will see this as we look outside of the covenant the Old Testament covenant, covenant that the Israelites had to go by or were going by. So, behold, I send my messenger, in this case happens to be John the Baptist, and he will prepare the way for me. 
This would be Jesus. This me is Jesus. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And he came suddenly to his temple 2,000 years ago. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. He's coming. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand with when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi. The sons of Levi, Levi was one of the 12 sons from Jacob. And from Levi, there was the, the Levites that came, all those that were part of this one tribe, and they were given the task of the ministry of the temple. They were given the task to, to do the, the, the ministry of the temple, which was a ministry that was vertical to God and was horizontal to the people. And so they did not, because it was a, very, it was a daily, continual thing that was happening in the work in the temple and the things of the temple... They didn't have time to go out and farm and do all these things. And so there were tithes that came into the storehouse to take care of the Levites for the priesthood, for the priests, because they, they couldn't, they didn't have the means to, 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 or, and the time to take care of even things like as simple as food because they were ministering. And so the tithes came into the storehouse. And so... The Levites, for the most part, for the majority of the time, the sons of Levi did not do what they were supposed to do. And, and some of it had to do with the fact that the kings that they were under really were steering them off course, even to the point of having other priests and whatever that served other gods and whatever. So the, the work of the Levites was not done. And some of it was because they were not... They were not good. And so there was a need for the purifying of the sons of Levi. That came, Levi, the son, came from Jacob, who came from Isaac, who came from Abraham. All right, just a little background. The Lord desires to purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. That the things that, we would, that are offered would be in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years, as it should have been. And I will come near you for judgment. I will be swift witness. Why? Because you do not fear me. So let me read what this, the, the judgment or the witness would be against sorcerers. So their, their, their sorcery has to do with witchcraft and unbelief and all of that. And so they're doing things that are not of God, obviously, against adulterers. So that could be in the natural sense. Those that are, are unfaithful to their spouse, spouse. But it also can mean fig figuratively that they're going after other gods. And this was definitely the case. The spiritual element was even much worse in that they were going after other gods. The, the people were, the children of God were going after other gods against perjurers. A perjurer 
is someone that lies under oath. I swear, I swear, I, I'm not lying. And a perjurer is one that is lying under oath. And so the Lord is coming against those that say, but I'm doing something when I'm really not. Against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, the way the people, those that are working, are treated, they're not treated well. The widows and orphans are not being taken care of. And against those who turn away an alien, the stranger is not being dealt with properly. Even those that are, are coming new to, to this nation, these, these followers of God. And the Lord is saying, you need to treat even the stranger in a different way. And it, these things were happening because they did not fear the Lord, says the Lord of hosts, because they do not fear me. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Say, has God changed? No. God is the same God. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit have always existed. They do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Why? <laughs> Why are the sons of Jacob, these Levites, the sons of Levi, they're not consumed. They're not totally destroyed, say never again. Why? Because of a promise to Jacob. There was a promise to Jacob. There was a promise to Isaac and, and his father, Abraham. There were promises. We're gonna, we'll touch in on that. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. But you, say, you said, in what way shall we return to you? Now, it's interesting. It was like, in what way shall we return to you? And now, all of a sudden, he starts talking about robbing God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Now, just remember, Malachi is one person or being speaking and answering, speaking and answering, asking a question, answering a question. It's a monologue. It is God that is speaking here. Will a man rob God? There's a question that the Lord is asking, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So a tithe is a tenth, and offerings is anything that you wish to give on top of that. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now, let me just go to the New Testament. Say, well, this is Old Testament. This is covenant. This is the covenant that God had with Israel. We are not under this Old Testament covenant. In the New Testament, Jesus had issue with Pharisees. They were the, the, the rulers, the religious rulers of the day, the Sadducees. And man, had they taken the word of God and they had added so much to it. And so even regarding this thing of tithing, it had become very legalistic. Very legalistic. In fact, I, again, I don't know who tithes here except for the pastor's council and those 
that would be nominated for the, the pastor's council. So I've checked. There's nominations for a pastor's council. So I've checked for the nomination nominees. Wait, well, is there a tithing that takes place? But I thank God that I don't know that you tithe or not because I go back to this thing. It's between you and the Lord that it would be worship. It's between you and the Lord that it would be worship. I don't know if you're tithing or not, but I do know this. Look at, well, I'll get to it in a moment. Let's get back to the Pharisees. It, it, be, it, it was nothing of worship. It was not of worship. It says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe a tenth of mint and anise and cumin. Spices. Now, spices were very, very valuable. You know that, that they went around the globe to find certain spices, pepper, whatever, the different spices to add to food. And it was very costly. And the, the, the scribes or, and the Pharisees, hypocrites, were saying, and they were saying, they were actually tithing of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. So this thing of neglecting the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Ah, you got a tithe. You've got a tithe. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I heard some churches, maybe, I don't know, maybe you came on a church like this where you had to show your T4 to the, to the pastor so he could know whether you're tithing or not. I, I, I couldn't believe when I heard that. Listen, it is between you and the Lord. How are you going to worship the Lord? Uh, really? Fine. Okay, Fine. It does say the Lord loves a cheerful giver. I just say, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give, to give unto you that it would be a worship. Now, going back, not or neglecting the weightier matters of the law. I'm going to go out on a limb here now. And you, once again, I don't know if you're tithing or not, but don't you skimp out on the Lord. Don't you skimp out on the Lord who's given you everything that you have. All right? Now, listen. And once again, you're going to decide, say, well, I, uh, hmm, I don't maybe agree with this. Tim, 1 Timothy 5, verse 3. Honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable to, before the God. So the children taking care and the grandchildren taking care of their, their parents or grandparents. Now she who is really a widow, there's nobody there, and left alone, trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. It's like, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to do it? But Lord, I'm trusting in you. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. I'm going to, I've got it made. It doesn't matter. I'm going to, 
I'm gonna, I can do my own thing because I got income, whatever. And these things command that they may be blameless. Take care, take care of the widow, the orphans. Listen to the next verse. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. People are saying, you know what? I'm going to, I even tithe, but take care of my, my family? Am I going to take care of my family? So here's some of the refining that is taking place with me. And once again, you may disagree with me. That's fine. It's between you and the Lord. That's fine. So you're going to take and weigh. So this is what I've been weighing, and this is what I've been, been pondering. And this is a, a, this is a thing of reality. It's happened just in the last little while. There's a situation where there is such need such need. The church can't help. Let me give you a scenario. It's real life. At this point in time, we are restricted from sending money out of the country unless there's some, the, the organization or ministry that we're sending to help out has a ministry here in Canada. And I, I get it why they're doing that because they're saying, hey, we don't want any church or organization, charitable organization, it wouldn't be this one, obviously, to support and send monies and funds from Canada outside of the nation to support terrorism. Right? And I, I, that's, that's good. So at this point, for the last almost 10 years now, we have not been able to send out for missions outside of this country. So unless there's a, a, they have a basis here, then we can send and we support. Who knows? There may be a day coming sooner than we believe. So at this point in time, we have charitable status as a church, which allows for us to, as you give tithes, and this is not a bad thing, to recognize the tithe and to, to give you uh, a receipt for charitable donations. And there's those receipts. In fact, if you didn't receive them for giving at the church, make sure you see Marilyn or Debbie. Most of them, I think, were given out last week for last year. And there's a, there's, the government recognizes this. There may be a point coming where we're not going to have any thing as a charitable organization there's going to be no breaks, nothing. One of the breaks that we have as a charitable organization, we don't pay taxes. There's no city taxes, and they're allowing that. You say, thank you, Lord, for the thousands and tens of thousands of dollars that we can use for other things. Beautiful. So, I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is my view. According to the word this word from Timothy. But if anyone does not provide for his own, his own household, and listen to the wording, and especially those of his household, 
He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Providing for your household. If you know to do right, this is a part that maybe you may not agree with. If you don't have, you take care of your household, that household, that, that need that is desperate. I believe that the Lord, he will bless you as a result to say, hey, I'm going to bless you even in the giving unto you to give of tithes into the, the storehouse, into the household, into the house. You take care of your family. Now, I'm not talking about, hey, having a bigger, bigger house. or I'm talking about the ones that if, if you don't give, they're going to be out on the street. Or they don't have enough food. Now, what we can do here in Canada or whatever, we can help those within Canada. And we do. There's tens of thousands of dollars of help given every single year that we can do because there is a giving into the storehouse that there would be meat in my house to be able to take care of the things. And the other thing is the mission of the church. See, we don't have the, the, the extent of the Levites that, that was in the Old Testament. We don't have that here. It's, 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 not, already, it's not continuing on that, that we don't have sacrifices here. We have a sacrifice of praise and the glorifying of Jesus Christ and the honoring of him. But the mission of the church is to fulfill the great commission, which is to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you right to the end of the age. And the mission of this church, and I'll, I'll tell you, all hell has been breaking loose just in the last little while regarding the mission of the church that is extending outside of the church. The thing of Revive Niagara is not an event. It is a move of God according to the word of the Lord spoken. Come to life and do finish the, the great commission that I have for you in this area. Man up. That's the purpose. We had 250 guys come together. This is the mission of our church. Now, we don't promote our church, but it's from our church that is covering it, is supporting it financially, is keeping accurate to the penny account of any monies that might come in for the work to re of revive, the reviving in Niagara, of man up, women walking worthy, worship in the wild. These are all things that are from this small little church that is saying we will do the things of the Lord. We want, we want to fulfill the Great Commission. You make sure that your household isn't out on the street. You take, you use those funds to take care of your family. For if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So I say, ask again, according to the word of the Lord here, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. 
You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And in this particular scenario where we can't help as a church, you take care of your family, your household. You take care of them. Not saying, hey, I, I, I'm going to bring into... No, you take care of your family. Once again, you may not agree with me, but I believe that the Lord is going to open up. He's going to recognize that tithe that, you're, that you are saying, I'm going to take, I have to take care of my household. Now, once again, not to say, hey, oh, good, I can skimp out on the Lord and the work of the Lord. All right, so just a few things quickly. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. When it comes to your finances, Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that you will not be room, there would not be room enough to receive it. Try me. Test me in this. If I will not pour, open up the windows of heaven. The only other time that this windows of heaven phrase is used is when the, the windows of heaven open up in the day of Noah. In that place, it was judgment that came. The days of Noah, the windows of heaven were open, and there were torrents. The fountains of the deep erupted, and this earth was flooded completely as the waters that were underneath gushed out. Every person died. In this case, when it comes to finance, it's interesting that it's talking about blessing. It is talking about blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You have issue with, there's, it seems like you never have enough, and it seems like things are being taken away. As we give to the Lord, belongs to the Lord, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, the things that you're doing, the work of your hands, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. There's going to be blessing in the Lord of hosts, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. For those that don't give anything to the Lord, they say, this is Old Testament. This is the old, or this is old covenant, and we're not under that old covenant anymore. We're under a new covenant. Okay, two stories. First one, Genesis 14, verse 8. And I want you to realize the context of where the blessing comes out, okay? And I'm going to start from verse 8, just to give you a heads up. There were five kings fighting against four kings, and the, the ones that had four kings overcame the ones with five or, or whatever. For 13, 12 years, they were under their rule. At the 13th year and in the 14th year, the ones that were under the rule of these five kings says, that's it, we're going into battle and we're going to go against them because we don't, that's enough of, of being under their control. Okay, so then you get to verse 8. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, or Bila, that is Zoar, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Siddim against Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and the different kings, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of asphalt pits, 
And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. So the ones that were fighting against and whatever, they're, st they're still being overcome. And some fled there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. So they got, they're getting beat again. And then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way, these five or the four kings. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So we know, now here's Abram. This is Abraham before he became Abraham. He took Lot, his brother's son, and his goods and departed. Would have been his wife, children, all that he had, and they took, they took him. Then one who had escaped came and told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Marmer, Mamer, the Amorite, brother of Eschol and the brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abraham. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, his nephew, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house. And went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night. And he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot, or the nephew Lot. So that brother, the word brother there also means relative. And his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him, Abram, at the valley of Sheba. Shaveh, that is the, the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him. Now, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he, Abraham, gave him a tithe of all, a tenth of all. Here, Lord, this is, this is for you. You are sovereign. You are sovereign. Hallelujah. Now listen, this king of Salem, she would have been basically Jerusalem, the king of Jerusalem, this Melchizedek. Look what it says. I want to jump over. Actually, before I do, let me just share something. I shared it once or twice. The lowest point in my life. The lowest point in my life. You might say, how low was it? It was so low because I was disappointed with God. And the reason I was disappointed was because, Lord, I have been faithful to you, and I see nothing, no results. I'm disappointed. Within 24 hours, in fact, as I was feeling the disappointment, the song that was playing by King and Country on the car, basically that he's carrying us on, the sh on his shoulders. 
and a tear flowed from down my, my face. Julie was sitting right beside her. I just turned away. I didn't want her to see that I was crying. As I was feeling this thing of, oh, God, why? Within 24 hours, this word came. He says, but beloved, saying, Dave, we are confident of better things concerning you. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, your salvation and the salvations of, salvation of others. Because that is my heart, to see people come to the Lord. Not just me, but to see others come to, the, to know Jesus. Though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you, that you would show the same diligence to, to full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, don't give up. But imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. This thing was, don't give up. And it goes on about being the anchor, to be an anchor of the soul. You know what? That disappointment, it was the soul. Just being the soul. Disappointment. The anchor of our soul. Listen to what it says here. It goes on. For when God made a promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. I'm speaking this. It will be done. When the Lord says something to test me in this, he wants to prove, he's going to say, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you are not able to contain. The Lord has been so, so faithful. I say, thank you, Lord. Most of you know that I was a teacher. Over 20 years ago, I was making almost $60 an hour. It's a lot of money for 20 years ago. I'll tell you right now, that's not what's happening right now. <laughs> but the Lord is so good. I would never change anything. The work that I'm doing now, I say, Lord, that you would be glorified in who I am. Whether I'm a past, whether as pastor here or whether it is before you as just a, a child of God, Lord, that you would be glorified. And the Lord is saying, I will bless you. Do we need funds to do the work that still has to be done? Yes, we do. It's like the things that have been seen just in the last month of prayer, fasting and prayer is beyond. We're talking to see. A quarter of this region saved, at least. That's 125,000 people saved. And not just that. There are 12 to 14 million people that are coming every single year that we would see a quarter, at least, of those saved. That's going to take money. We don't, how do you, where do you house these people to have them 
to, to have them hear the gospel so that they will see as the, the, the Spirit of God. My prayer has been for decades, Lord, pour out your Spirit, pour out your Spirit, that there would be a mighty Niagara flowing in the spiritual realm as it is in the natural. An outpouring of your Holy Spirit. In the last little while, it's like there's been this thing of saying, no, 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 we don't want to move by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to do things by the wisdom of man. And I don't want to do the things above the wisdom of man. I want the power of God to be evident. As we move in the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you, there's already been a... a I asked the, the lead leadership of this city, spiritual, would you allow the Holy Spirit to move? He's spoken a word of revived Niagara, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. No, not, not, not like you see it, Dave. And I... I said, I'll go by your decision regarding this monthly thing that I was just sharing continually about the moving of the Lord and revive. The Lord has spoken to revive. I said, if you don't want me to, to share that, they said, no, we, we are, we're uncomfortable with this. So for just over a year now, I didn't. By the end of this year, I just said, you know what? I, and the Lord spoke this in my heart very clearly. You need to slow down. And one of them was, I need to step down from the ministerial. Am I start, still part of the ministerial? Oh, absolutely. I was just there last week. Because even those that don't know about the Holy Spirit, they need the Holy Spirit. The fullness, the spirit without measure. Not the spirit that is contained and, 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 and said, no, no, we're only going to allow the spirit to move in one way. I'm talking about the spirit of God. Why? Because there's 12 to 14 million people. I had somebody last week just say, so, so what, are, what are the churches doing here in Niagara, Niagara Falls, Niagara, for the 12 to 14 million people that come every single year? Not too much. It's going to change. It has to change. Can you imagine a quarter of the 12 to 14 million? We're talking 3 million to, to 4 million people being saved that come here. How is that going to be structured? How is that going to look? How are we going to house the vision that I, I saw years ago now? Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people standing against the, the escarpment. I'm my back facing is the vision that I had and I heard the gospel being preached. This would come to pass. And we're going to limit the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to bless. If I say I'm going to bless, if I say that I'm going to pour out my spirit in the last days on all flesh, for what purpose? So that there is a, a the dryness, the hardness of, of, of where a person is at, it is moistened to be prepared for the seed that is sown, the seed of the gospel. Oh, those of you that have family that has strayed away from the Lord or it doesn't serve God, I'm believing that entire not just households, but clans, 
are saved. Entire clans saved. You've got a big clan. You've got a big clan. In fact, if your whole clan gets saved, if they should come here, this church is then full. We don't have, that's just one clan. To believe for this. Why, you might say, Pastor, why are you so... Listen, we don't have much time left. Before he comes back, the Lord is going to be taking a huge harvest. I want to be a part of that because I want to be, I want to be, yeah, I want to be a part of that. The gospel of Jesus Christ going out. The gospel of Jesus Christ going out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, I mentioned this to you back in the fall. It hit me as I, as I read it. I'd read that passage so many times, Revelations chapter 5. There was nobody to open the scroll. The Father was holding the scroll. There was nobody to open the scroll. And it says John wept. And even as he wept, hey, look, there's somebody that's able to open the scroll. And he says, and I saw the lamb as if slain with seven eyes and seven horns to see all, know all, all understanding, all wisdom, and seven horns. Seven is of completion and perfection. Seven horns, all power, all authority is his. Seven eyes and seven horns, which are the seven spirits that go are sent to the earth. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ are so together, it is not even funny. I'll tell you right now. There are so many individuals and denominations that say the Spirit of God, the fullness of the Spirit without measure is not for today. And so basically, they are saying the Jesus that I serve has no eyes and he has no power. Yes, the Lamb as if slain no sight, no understanding, don't, doesn't care about me, and there's no power to make any change in my life. That is not the Jesus that I'm serving. And that is not the Jesus that we as a church need to glorify and honor the fact that he is sovereign, and in these last days, we need to have that work done of what he has for us. And so this king of Salem, the blessing or let me, just before that, in this word that was spoken to me, and it's for you as well. Thus God, this is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. An oath. And he couldn't do it except in himself that by two immutable things it, in which it is impossible for God to lie... So if he says there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days, there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. And I'm not going to be one as this pastor here and the work that needs to be done to shut down the work of the Holy Spirit. Say, I don't want it. Are you kidding me? God does not lie. If he said it's going to happen, it will happen. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before, before us. A strong 
assurance and a peace who have fled for refuge. I need refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. And so this was in my lowest point. The Lord was saying, Dave, I see your work and I see what you've done. And the same thing for you. And I have this hope. Just hang on because it is coming. The things that you have prayed for are coming. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul that helps our soul where we're feeling. That's where I was painting. It was, I was in disappointment of God. And even as this message came, I started to weep and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word to me. There is a hope that welled up in my soul, an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil. To come into the presence of God, to become, to come right into His presence behind the veil. I'm not closed out. I'm in the presence of God in the Holy of Holies where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. There's that name again. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed them, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. He's our righteousness, he's our peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Hallelujah. It goes on in that chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing. All I'm saying is this. Jesus, the King of Righteousness and the King of Peace, wants you to know the blessing. He is speaking the blessing for you. It's there. And I like the fact that Abraham was going out to save his family. That we would go out. I'll tell you, the Lord is saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you as you go out for your family, as you go out for the lost, for those that are bound, those that are taken captive. You go out. I am a sovereign God, and I will do this. I do not lie. And I swear. He swears. He gives by oath. He says, this is my oath. For me, we always swear on something that's higher. That's why he didn't like Per, he, the perjury he didn't like at all. There's a witness against us when you say something and you, you don't mean it and it's under oath. And the God is saying, hey, by oath, I'm saying this will happen. The things that the Lord wants to do. This is the first time I actually thought about the harvest and the Lord of the harvest that is an amazing organizer and planner and his will will be done. For the first time, I thought, I figured there's about close to a billion true believers on this planet at this point. Most of them in countries, not here in Canada or United States so much, but in countries of, of extreme persecution. They say there's probably somewhere between two to three hundred million believers just in China. And how many in India? How many believers are in India? Between those two nations, there's probably at least half a million or 500 million to 750 million just in those two countries around the rest of the globe. Close to a billion right now. And for the first time, I just I want to encourage you for prayer force, come to prayer. 
Come, if that has not been, to pray, to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers to bring in the harvest, that we would pray. This is what we're doing. We've expanded our prayer times. And there's, it started off with three, that first 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock, turned to 6 o'clock, from 6 to 7. There's usually 7, 8, 9 that are coming out every single day, and we will continue. I say, thank you, Lord, to join and start to pray. So the thought is that there would be another 2 billion saved before the Lord returns. Why? Because he's the Lord of the harvest, and we're praying to the Lord of the harvest. And Lord, not just praying for other laborers, but Lord, send me, use me. We are going to see an influx. I, I'm saying it. I've said it a number of times already. We are going to see an influx we cannot, will not be able to contain. Last week, I was just, I was looking into how to expand. We need to get a variance. Our variance is according, or our building capacity in this room alone is 310 people. The gym can hold just as many, if not more. The thing that limits us is parking. If you can't come in late here, you're already going to be missing a parking. You say, I don't have parking. We need parking. Let me just say this. You can park all the way around the inside of this block. If you come and you don't have parking in the parking lot, park along. That's where I'm parked. I'm, I'm parked not on the property. And I, can I suggest to you, especially worship, worship team, those that are coming in first, don't, don't park on the property. Park off property for those that are coming in a little bit later. It'll be the point is you come late, you won't have a spot. Why? Because the Lord says, I, I don't lie. I don't lie. And I have promised I'm going to pour out my spirit and I'm taking in a harvest. Come, pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, just quickly. Not just that he's sovereign, sovereign to, in our lives and for us. Tithing as worship and our expression of allegiance to him. Now, Jacob went from Beersheba. This is Genesis 28, verse 10. Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set and took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he laid down in that place to sleep. You might say, why is Jacob there? Because he's running from his brother who he had stolen the, the blessing, the birthright, and also the blessing. He had stolen it from his older brother. It should have been going to him. He said, no, I'm, gonna, I'm taking it. And he took it the wrong way. And now he's running from Esau because Esau says, I'm going to kill him. When I get him, I'm going to kill him. And so here he is outside, and there's a stone underneath his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there, the angels of God were ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. This is what the Lord said. Here they are. There's nations all around trying to take out Israel. They'll never take out Israel. According to the word of the Lord, he has spoken it. It'll never happen. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. 
Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put on his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on and that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth to you. Lord, you are so good. I express my allegiance to you. you you're, if you do this, Lord, I am going to give you a tenth of all that I have. What does the Lord want to do in your life? Hallelujah. I started off by just saying, hey, that there would be a thanksgiving. Let's tithe would be of thanksgiving. Can we stand together? And I apologize for being a little bit later. This has been a not an easy message necessarily. Once again, I'm not asking for money. I'm asking that you would say, Lord, you want to bless me? Lord is saying, I want to bless you. I want to open up the windows that there will be blessings you will not be able to contain. Lord, I'm going to give unto you as an expression of worship. I won't know. But I, I, I probably will know because I will see the Lord beginning to bless you tremendously. Rebuking the devourer for your sake. The, the work of your hands flourishing. Those of you that have businesses, flourishing. And even when it comes to finances, the things that you need, not for yourself necessarily, but Lord, let the work of the Lord be done for the sake of the lost, for, for Abraham's brother or brother's son. I'm going to go fight for them. That's what we want to do in these last days to fight the enemy for the souls. The only thing that the enemy has that we would ever want are souls. Lord, we're going to, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church as we come against it for the sake of souls. Hallelujah. The Lord has given some of you visions. You say, well, I don't know if that's going to come to pass or not. I'm telling you, the Lord desires for you to carry through with what, what he's given to you in dreams and visions, and he's spoken to you these things. Hallelujah. That they would come to pass. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, you, you are refining. You're refining me. And it's not been easy. It's not been pleasant. And part of it is... Lord, am I going to trust in you or not? And I'm declaring before all these individuals, Lord, I place my trust in you. You are sovereign. I will go according to your word. I will go according to what you say. Lord, not my will. Your will be done. Jesus, that you would increase, that I would decrease. 
Lord, that there would be an allegiance to you. And even in the trust of you, Lord, I'm going to say, Lord, as you've promised, I will give you a tenth. The promises are coming before, Lord, that I would worship you even in giving of the tithe. I'm going to worship you. Lord, that the things that you have for me, the things to do, that they would be accomplished. And Lord, lastly, you have given everything that we have. Everything that we are, you have given us. And Lord, I just, we just say thank you, Lord, that there would be a heart of gratitude, of thanksgiving as we give unto you what belongs to you, what belongs to the Lord. Lord, I believe, Lord, even as I've seen, as we have tithed as a church, a tithe of the tithes going out to our region, to our national covering. Lord, you have been faithful. Lord, we have given this as the tithe has come, come in, the first fruit. As the, the pile has come in, Lord, from the first fruit, it has been given to you. Even here at this church, and Lord, you have blessed the church to do works that are powerful for the saving of souls. We just say thank you, Lord. Let us give with gratitude. Let us give with great thanksgiving, even the things that are tangible in, in our tithes, in the, in, in, in the monies that we have, the finances we have. And Lord, you want to open up and increase, Lord, our finances. Lord, that we're not just barely making, you want to give such, such a way, the windows of heaven, we would not be able, they're, as they're open, we would not be able to contain it. Lord, I just thank you for that. Let us give with gratitude. I pray blessing. The blessing that you've already spoken, Lord, even as we would be faithful in the tithes and the offerings. Lord, even as I've gone on a limb, Lord, our household, if there are those that we need to help of our household, Lord God, that we would help them. Lord, that we would not hold back. We will help the, the household, believer or unbeliever. Lord, not to, to say, hey, we're going to continue to, to give you that which would allow you to do that, which is of wickedness and sin. Lord, to provide for those that are truly widows and orphans and the poor and those of our own household, Lord. I just pray this in Jesus' name. I just thank you and I praise you. are an amazing God. Bless my dear brothers and sisters today as we go out in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand. He is worthy. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Hey, guys. It's Matt with the Tech Team. I hope the sermon blessed you today. Check out our other messages down below. Have a great day. God bless.